off on last week. Uh, remember, one of the things that we were sharing with you is the fact that as we go through the series, Do You Really Care? We talked about the fact that one of the things that indicates and shows people that we care is when we do take the time to actually pray for people uh, out loud. And one of the things that we discovered is that some people are uncomfortable doing that. Uh, uncomfortable uh, taking that time uh, to, to pray for a person. If you're going by for a hospital visit or if you're going by the home or maybe it's during a time of bereavement, whatever that situation may be, what we have to understand is that um, uh, we as a body of believers uh, have to have prayer as a part of our um, spiritual repertoire where we can go in and minister to people and share with them through the avenue of prayer. But when we do that, we have to learn how to pray, correct? Because a question that I ask time and time again, how many of you at certain point in times have felt uncomfortable praying out loud and in public? Anybody ever been that way? I mean, in other words, that, that's, that's probably besides public speaking, getting up in front of people and talking, that's one of the greatest fears that a lot of people have. They fear praying out loud. And it's because we're focusing on what people may think, right? We're, we're focusing on how we've heard someone else pray. And someone else may have prayed eloquently. They may have been able to just really sound so spiritual and in-depth. And, and, and we think that we have to pray that same way or that same style of praying. But what I would hope that we would do is get an understanding about how Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, what to include in our prayer. And then we're going to look at some, again, on the, that last sheet I gave you, uh, says some things that, that, that hinder prayer from being answered. And, and then look at, lastly, what can effective prayer accomplish? Because we want to be able to get our prayers through, right? We want to be a people of God who pray with confidence and faith. And we know that when we pray, we're not guessing. Uh, we have a peace about what we're praying for. Uh, we know and understand that there's some times when we don't get those prayers answered like we think they should. Uh, but I'm always reminded what the old folk you say, he may not come when you want him. But he's always what? On time. It's, it's, it's amazing to me, and, and, and the, the longer I'm in this thing, the more I recognize this, that God's timing rarely is yoked up with our time. Have you ever discovered in your own life? God's timing rarely seems to yoke up with our time. But, but here's what I also learned. His timing is impeccable. His timing is right on time. There are some things, guys and girls, that I asked God for, wanted God to do uh, at certain st stages in my life that really had God done those, I, it, it would probably mess me up. <laughs> I don't know about you all. Uh, there are some things that I prayed for, maybe some things you prayed for that, that in your mind's eye you thought you were ready for, but God knew that you were not ready. He knew that I was not ready. And so I, what I've learned to do is trust his timing. One thing I do know, Romans 8 and 28 says all things work together for the good to those who love the Lord, to those who are the called according to what? His purpose. So that, that means that in my life, God is working stuff together. He's, he's working different situations and scenarios and putting them together for my good. I believe that with all my heart. And so when I'm praying, especially when I'm praying for people, uh, I, I, I keep that in mind and I try to make sure that when I'm praying for people, I'm being scripturally correct and I'm following the things that Jesus told his disciples how to pray. Okay, so go with me, if you will, to the gospel according to St. Luke chapter number 11. Um, we look back at verse number one, Luke 11 and uh, verse number one. Glory to God. And let's, let's look at that from the King James version of the scripture, if you will. Luke chapter number 11, verse number 1. And you, you guys all know this, but let's look at it again with fresh eyes because it is important. How many of y'all are believing God for something right now? How many of you have prayed about it? Guys, I want, my desire is for us to have full and complete confidence that what we're praying for, first of all, is the will of God. Right. 
Because the Bible says if we pray according to his will, then he heareth us. And if he hears us, we have the petitions that we desire of him. So a key to getting prayers answered is making sure that I'm praying in line with God's will. All right, now, so how do I discover God's will? Talk to me, y'all. How are we going to discover God's will? All right, so, but, but let me ask you a question. If 80% of Christians aren't in God's word, do you think that 80% of Christians may not be praying the will of God? And maybe that's why we don't see more prayers being answered. Because if I don't spend any time in God's word and, and to un- discover his will for my life, then I certainly can't pray the will of God if I don't know the will of God. Right? If you're going to pray for me about something, but you don't know really what the specific thing is, then you can pray for me in general. But I want you, you know, for prayers to be answered, I believe we need to be specific, right? That's one of the reasons why um, uh, Sister Adams a couple of weeks ago, I think it was about a couple weeks ago, uh, got up here on a Wednesday night and said, this is what I've been diagnosed with. Some people, when they get sick, they want to hide it. I don't want to hide because I want you to pray specifically for what we believe in God for. And so, so in, in, in our lives, we have to learn this. That as we try to minister to people and become adept at being able to pray for people, you want to uh, have that conversation that builds rapport so that if that person is going through a situation and we want to show that we really care, we, we have enough spiritual decorum where we can share with them, talk with them, and discover what that need is so we can specifically pray for that thing, right? Because God, God is a God who, 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 who majors in specific. Specif- let me, let me put it this way. Specificity. Is that right? Is that a word? I think it is. He majors in that. So he wants us to be specific when we come. He says, ask you shall receive, seek you shall find, knock and the door shall be open. So, so we, want, we, want, we want to be specific when we pray and we want to know that we're praying the will of God. Because if I can pray the will of God, then I know I'm in line with his word. And then he answers that prayer when I'm praying according to his will. Is, that, is everybody feel, feel me on that one? Okay, now watch this. Luke 11 and 1, it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Okay, let's keep reading. It says what? Uh, Verse number 2, And he said unto them, When you pray, say. All right? That is critical because he says when you pray, say, not when you pray, think about it. You know, one of the things that I think we have to become to grips with is the fact that that our mouths produce words. And prayer is about articulating words. I know we go to different events and they say, let's have a moment of silent prayer. Uh, but I, and I can appreciate that. Uh, but when, when it re- really comes down to it, I know you say, God, well, God can read my mind. But the fact remains that the scripture says, when you pray, say when I say something, that means that I, the fruit of my lips produce words. Words coming from my lips, uh, the Bible says death and life is in the power what? of the tongue. And they that love it eat the fruit thereof. So when my, word, my, when my tongue is producing words, then those words are like spiritual containers. Those words have the power to create. Just like God, who we were made in his image and in his likeness. Is that what you... Did we talk about that last week? We are made in the image and the likeness of God. And the Bible says that in the beginning, God created. How did he create? He he said, let there be light. He could have just thought it. He could have just meditated on it and just, and, and light disappeared. But specifically, the Bible says God said. And that's given us a clue for us who are created in his image that we must also speak. That's one thing if you don't have the ability to speak, but if you can speak, God says, say. So he says, when you pray, say, our, heavenly, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so also in earth. Next verse says what? Verse 3, give us day by day our daily bread. Next verse says what? And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Y'all know this, right? Verse five says what? Uh, and he said to them, which, which, of the, which, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. Again, this goes into the, the part where there's consistency in prayer. We won't, we're going to stop right here. Uh, in Ma- Matthew, the sixth chapter is the one that we're most familiar with versus, you know, where it talks about our, our father, which out in heaven in the traditional sense of the Lord's prayer. OK, so but again, in this Luke, the 11th chapter, I, I want to give you a taste of it. But but understand this. Jesus had a prayer life, a, an awesome prayer life. Uh, and 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 he uh, it had been predicted that he would give himself to prayer back in Psalms 109 verse number four. And he was always praying, always praying. The master, God in bodily form, was always praying. Everybody say he was always praying. Now think about your own life as I think about my own life. Guys, I know that there's sometimes my prayer life is not where it needs to be. I don't know about you, but my prayer life is not where it needs to be. I'm going to admit that I, there are times when I, I need to be more in, 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 in engaged and in, in, involved in prayer. OK, all right. So I'm, I'm going to admit that, that my prayer life needs to be improved. I want you to look at yourself and ask yourself, can I begin to pray more? All right. Now, uh, because. Jesus, when we look at his life, let's go down, look, look at your outline. He prayed at his baptism. Let's go and walk, go, walk through it right quick. Luke 3 and 21. Go to Luke 3, verse number 21. Luke 3 and 21. If Jesus, who was God manifested in human flesh, spent considerable time praying, what about you and I? And we know that the Bible tells us men ought to always pray and not faint. The Bible also tells us pray without what? Ceasing. Pray. In other words, have a consistent lifestyle of prayer. That means that, that, that as a born-again believer, I need to make sure that, that I stay focused and that I include prayer as a part of my daily routine. Now, again, I, again, I, I admit to you that sometimes I'm going and... Uh, I'm moving and I don't take enough time to stop in to pray. Now, not that I don't pray. I'm just saying that I feel like uh, when I look at Jesus and begin to look at his lifestyle, I, I, I find myself coming up short. I don't know about anybody else. Okay. But I watch the text here. It says, well, now when all the people were baptized, the text says what? It came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heavens was what? Was open, okay? And verse 22, for good measure, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am what? Well pleased. And you guys that have been in our authentic manhood class know that we, we put focus on this in particular because we see the Father can, uh, at this point in time is commending his son and he's letting people know this is my son and I'm pleased with him and every father needs to make sure that they they have a time where they they commend their children and tell their children that that I love you and I'm pleased with you or in other words you you are my he says you're my beloved son who I'm well pleased Uh, you're you're my you're my child you're my son you're my daughter I love you and, and, and I want you to know that you're good at whatever you're good at, and I'm proud of you. That's basically what God was saying about the Son, Jesus Christ, when he was here on earth. All right, so he prayed at his baptism. Uh, Luke 5 and 16, he prayed during his temptation. How many of you know when you're being tempted, you need to pray? Anybody in the house? Luke 5 and 16, when temptation comes your way, pray. The text says here, uh, look at, uh, as a matter of fact, back up to verse number 15, if you would. Verse number 15. Come on, let's go. He prayed during his temptation. But so much the more went there a, a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear 
and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Because when you start healing folks, and it, the word's going to get out. Think about this. When, when we as a body of believers begin to be so engrossed in prayer and learn how to pray correctly and learn to pray the will of God, and then word gets out that when EBC members pray for you, stuff happens. People are going to start coming to the church to see what's happening with it when EBC members lay their hands on you. Now, ain't no magic in the name EBC, but what I'm saying is that when Christians learn how to pray the will of God, learn how to pray in confidence and faith, God begins to move. And so when, when something happens, when someone is sick, when someone is going through a situation, when someone needs a breakthrough, I want it to be such that, that they have so much confidence in God the God who's working through us, and they've seen, amen, when we touch and pray that things happen, that they're going to call upon you to come and pray for them. That's what I believe. I believe that we have the power and authority, the same power and authority that Jesus walked in. He says he's delegated it to us. So I want to know what kind of prayer warrior you are. He says here, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and what? And prayed. They, they, they were following him because he was healing people. And, but he always took time to get by himself to pray. Okay, so he, he withdrew himself into the wilderness and he prayed. Look at the next one. He continued all night in prayer. Luke, the sixth chapter. And y'all have one of them long prayer sessions. And y'all, we were going through and you had to just, you had to just label, labor in prayer. Look at what the text says here in Luke, the sixth chapter, verse number 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it, verse 13 says, and when it was day, he called unto him his disciples and of them he chose 12 whom also he named apostles. And he goes and talks about Simon whose name is Peter and Andrew, the, 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 the apostles were chosen. But notice something, the apostles were chosen after what? After he prayed all night. Now, 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 again, it is critically important that decisions are bathed in prayer. This is critical, to, right? Because Jesus prayed all night before he chose the, that 12. Now, there were other people who were following him, but he chose those 12 apostles to pour into to disciple on a more intimate level. Pray before you make decisions, not after you make them. How many of you have been guilty of praying after you made them? Because it's not, oh, Lord, what have I done? Deliver me, Jesus. Please, Jesus. Pray before. Okay? Jesus prayed all night before he chose the 12 to walk in close proximity to them. That, that, to me, that says that it's critically important that when, especially when major decisions, but not only major decisions, but small stuff. I mean, don't, don't think that anything is too small to take to God. I don't care what it is, learn to pray about it and have confidence that God is going to answer that prayer. Let's go to, uh, uh, to Luke the ninth chapter, verse number 18. Luke 9, verse 18. He was alone praying. You got to have some time where you get by yourself, away from the children, away from your husband, away from your wife, and just get before God and petition the throne room uh, of the most high God. Let's look at uh, start uh, verse 18 says, and it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him and he asked them saying, whom say the people that I am? And that's the, you know, that's, that's when he goes into, um, um, the, the, you know, where he eventually another translation talks about where he talks about Peter, thou upon this rock I build my church. But he, the point I want to make, and I'm, and I'm going through this rather quickly, is that he was alone praying. Okay? And so take time to pull away, still away. It, it, it's, to me, it's, I think it's a good idea to have you a prayer place. Find a place in your home where you can, you know, get by yourself. It may be in the closet, literally. We talk about prayer closet. It may be that you go in the closet. It may be that you go, I, I don't know, go outside on the patio. It may be that you, uh, you know, go to the bathroom. I don't know. Go, go wherever you want to go. But get alone to pray so that distractions are not there. Put your cell phone up. 
don't take it with you to the prayer room. Let me say it again. Put your cell phone up. I may miss a call, Pastor. So what? If it's important, they'll, if it's not a telemarketer, they'll leave a message. If it's a telemarketer, they won't leave a message, so don't even call them back. I told you before, I've had people call me and say, well, I called you, Pastor. Said, Did you leave a message? No. Well, apparently it wasn't very important. Because voice messages still did, it, it, it does still work. If you call me and you don't leave a message, I'm assuming it wasn't anything important. Basic business etiquette. Okay? So, you know, some of y'all, some of y'all, you know, some, especially the younger people, young people don't, don't leave voice messages. Y'all notice that? They won't leave voice messages. They'll just hang up. And then, am I right, Brittany? They'll just hang up and then say, I call you. First thing I'm going to ask is, did you leave a message? Well, no, but you saw my number. I'm not going to just scroll through my. Somebody, and then we go, somebody called me from this number. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't, do, don't do that. Don't, don't you call me. If, if, if I call you, I'm going to leave a message. And if it wasn't anything important, I really, maybe I'll just check in on you and I'll get back with you later. I won't leave a message. But if it's important, I'm going to leave a message. Okay, so make sure you, just some, just some common everyday etiquette. Just, that, that wasn't even in the Bible, I'm just telling you that, okay? Is everybody with me? But the point is, when you pray, get alone, leave your cell phone in another room. Because you need some concentrated time alone with the Lord praying, okay? All right, go to the next one. Go to, he went up into a mountain to pray. Luke 9 and 28. And it came to pass about an eight, about an eight days after these saying, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And this is what commonly referred to, uh, they were up on the mountain of transfiguration. Y'all remember that, right? He took, now it's interesting to me that he, he picked that original 12, but then when he went to this special place where he was going to be transformed, he took the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Those are the ones that were closest to him. Are y'all with me? All right. Everybody can't be in your inner circle. As a matter of fact, everybody don't need to be in your inner circle. Uh, Jesus, Jesus gives us, a, I think, a model. Uh, I think we all need some people close to us who can read us, who can know when things are not quite right, who we can't fool. With that, are you okay? I'm all right. No, you're really not all right. Tell me what's going on. Let's talk about it. You need those kind of people in your life. But everybody's not going to be Everybody at EBC can't be your, your inner circle. If you got 15 people in your inner circle, somebody ain't really that close to you. Are y'all listening to me? But Jesus took these with them, and the, the text says, and as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, uh, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. They, 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 in, his, in his glorified form, they began to talk about Jesus and what his impending death was going to be like. All right? So, but again, the point is, he was, he, he was praying. He went up into a mountain to pray. Now, Luke 11 and 1 says he was, you know, he's not praying in a certain place, which is where our text um, picks up. It says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, he had a certain place he prayed. And when he stopped, his disciples came unto him and said, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray. Okay, so let's move right quick. All right, so we look at it. While Jesus prayed, something caught the eye in the ear of the disciples here to where uh, you know, they apparently were observing him and waiting for him to get finished. Uh, and they came and asked him to teach, teach them how to pray. Jesus, again, he prayed often. And so we as a body of believers have to begin to, to make sure that we keep prayer as a part of our spiritual uh, uh, daily routine. Now, guys, again, let me say this. And y'all heard me say it again. And I sound like a broken record, but that's okay. Constant review is the student's glue. I repeat stuff quite often because I want you to grab it. But now think about this for a second. If I 
or if you really believe in the power of prayer, would you not pray on a consistent basis? If you really believe that what you were saying was going to come to pass, wouldn't you start saying what you want to come to pass? Wouldn't you? Remember what Jesus said in Mark 11? Have faith in God. Mark 11, 22, I believe it was. He says, but if thou, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but if thou say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he say is going to come to pass, he'll have what he say. But he says, while you, while you stand and praying, while you, while you praying, forgive too. But he says, believing and not doubt. If I don't doubt it, that God's going to do it, I'll be praying it. Here's what I've discovered. Sometimes in our lives, guys, we don't believe that God's going to do the thing that we just prayed about. So as a result, we don't keep praying. We don't, we don't petition God for certain things. If I believe, if you believed it, then you would go to the Lord and pray about it. So this prayer thing has to become a very real thing in our lives such that, that, that when we preach about it, when we sing about it, we got to also uh, be about it. Amen? I think I like the way that sounds. Preach about it, sing about it, but be about it. Prayer has to be a part of our daily routine, okay? So now, when we get back and look at this model prayer, let's go through it real quick. Uh, thank God for two things. Thank God for being our Father, uh, and thank God for heaven. He says, our Father which art in heaven, okay? Jesus emphasized prayer as one of the greatest needs of us as human beings and part of this human life, okay? He always insisted that it was the source of his strength in living and serving God. So if Jesus uh, needed prayer in order to fulfill the will of the Father, what about you and I? We need the very same thing in our life. Jesus prayed as a son to his Father and that intimacy that, 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 he, that, the, that the disciples saw stirred them up to want to have the very same thing in their lives, okay? Are y'all still with me? So John taught his disciples to pray. So uh, uh, the, the model prayer says, our Father, which art in heaven. In other words, we're acknowledging God as the Father, and we, we, we acknowledge that he has a heavenly presence, and we need to make sure that, that that's a part of our spiritual makeup, okay? Uh, number two, it says, praise God. Uh, his name is hollowed, set apart, and different. Um, praise God. His name is hollowed, set, set apart, and different. God is holy, y'all. He's holy. He's righteous. He's pure. He's loving. He's kind. He's merciful. He's gracious. Uh, and so, so, therefore, God is to be praised for who he is. Not for what he's done or what he's going to do. We, ought to, we praise him for that. But first and foremost, we got to thank God for who he is. So whenever I start my prayer life, in, 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 in agreement with this model prayer, I want to first and foremost, before I even get into petitioning, asking God, I want to, I want to acknowledge who he is. Oh, God, you're an awesome God. You're, 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 you're the father that, uh, uh, above every other father. You, you, you saved me. You delivered me. You are the great I am. You are uh, my soon coming king. You're an awesome God. Hallowed be thy name. You are worthy to be praised. All men in under, under, under this earth will one day bow before your name. You are an awesome God. That needs to be a part of our prayer life. What we're doing now is we, we're recognizing, we're acknowledging the fact that his name is hollow. His name is, is above every name. His name is, 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 is wonderful. He's, his name is awesome, and we need to tell God that. So if you have not been acknowledging him, if you just go straight to God, I come before you right now, I need some money. That's not how you pray. Can I say it again? That's not how you pray. You don't just jump right into your petition. You got to start blessing God's name, praising him, giving him thanks for all that he's already done for you. Amen? And so, uh, so that's, that's critically important. Now go, go to your next page right quick. Request four things in particular, but note, these should be prayed for only after we have thanked and praised God. So get the order right. After we thank God and we praised him, then at that point in time, that's when we begin to, 
to, to go into this next part where he taught us. He said, pray for God's kingdom to come. Okay? Pray for God's kingdom to come. Now, do you guys do know that biblically speaking, there will come a time. Well, first of all, there will come a time where there will be a literal uh, millennium kingdom here in the earth. Jesus is coming back to the earth. All right, now before he comes back to the earth to establish the millennium kingdom to rule and to reign for a thousand year period here on earth, he's coming back for the church first. Y'all following that? The rapture of the church occurs before the establishment of the millennium kingdom. Go to 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. 1 Thessalonians 4 13. We read it every time at the funerals. Go to the New Living Translation on this one. 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, verse number 13. Pray for God's kingdom to come. Now, guys, when you look at what happens in our lives and what happens, uh, uh, what's happening in the earth realm today, before a thing is established in the physical earth realm, it happens first in the spiritual realm. Are y'all with me? Before it happens in, and is manifested in the physical realm, it happens first in the spiritual realm, in the unseen realm. Now, think about this for a second. We said, pray that thy kingdom come. We know that one day the millennium kingdom is going to come and be established on earth when Jesus rules and reigns. That's going to happen. And we're going to be ruling and reigning with him. Okay? Trust me, it's in the Bible. All right? And we've, we've taught on that numerous times over the years. But now prior to that happening, uh, there's going to be something that's called the catching away of the saints or the rapture of the church. Look at what the text says here. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, verse number 13, when the Thessalonian Christians were questioning Paul about what had happened to their loved ones, brother, who had died in the Lord. They were curious about what was going on. And so the Bible says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. I want you to know what's happening to the believers who died so that you won't grieve like people who have no hope. Next verse says what? For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. What, what is that? Again, don't miss that. So if you have loved ones who have died and they were saved, when Jesus comes back for the church, he's going to bring them with him. Okay, if you've been here for any period of time, you've heard me say this countless numbers of times. But we got to recognize that. We got to we got to know that because whenever if we do lose a loved one who's who's, who's born again, this scripture gives us comfort. If I believe the Bible, now, if I don't believe the Bible, this ain't gonna do nothing for me. If you don't believe the Bible, this won't do anything for you. But if you believe that the Bible is God's word, man, it will it will even though there will be pain, there will be there will be sorrow. It won't be like people who don't have any hope. Look at the next verse. It says what? We tell you this directly for the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who died. Okay? We're not going to go before those who've already died. Let's go. He's talking about the resurrection, okay? Uh, the, the rapture. Next verse says what? Let's read. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Now, I thought you said that he's going to bring them with them. Yeah, but see, again, he's talking about the physical body. That physical body is going to be transformed. The spirit man goes to be with Jesus once that person dies bodily. Because physical death is nothing more than a separation of the spirit man from the physical man. What happens when we do, when, when people die? We put them in the ground. Right? And, and ultimately, their body does what? It decomposes. Now, when Jesus comes back for the church, guess what? That body is going to rise up, be transformed into a glorified body, and go with the cost to meet the Lord in the air. Then those who are still here, when that happens, we're going to be transformed. And we're going to do what? Meet the Lord where? 
Does this make sense to anybody? I'm just telling you, you know, we've we taught on this numerous occasions. But that's how it's going to transpire. So the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the commanding shot with the horse of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Next verse says what? Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. When we're caught up, we're going to be transformed. We're going to be transformed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Our bodies will be, will be different. We have glorified bodies. It, it won't be like it is now. All right? So verse 18 says what? Let's read it. So encourage each other with these words. That's what he told the Thessalonican believers, to encourage each other with these words so that you can know that this is going to transpire. So, um, when, so this is going to happen. The, the rapture of the church is going to happen before the establishment of the millennium kingdom here on earth. But now while we're here now in the church age, guess what, guys? We, the, the kingdom will not be physically here, but it is here through us. In other words, remember I told you on last week that, that when God made man, he said, I'm giving you rulership over the earth. But what did man do? He, he relinquished it to whom? Satan, when he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what happened then, the first Adam messed it up. Second Adam did what? Fix it up. The second Adam gave us the opportunity while we're here in the earth realm to still rule and reign, to have authority. We can walk in authority here now when we're walking in Jesus and in the power of the Holy Ghost. The enemy, yes, he's a little God as world, but he has no power over us who are born again. And ultimately, when Jesus comes back and we rule with him, it's really going to be shown because it's going to be a physical. We'll be here in the earth realm during the thousand year millennium reign, king and reign. That's a whole other subject, but just want, to fo- want you to follow through on that because when he says pray for God's kingdom to come, you know, the th- pray for thy kingdom come, what he's saying is, is that kingdom means rulership. Anytime you have a kingdom, you got to have what? A king. Anytime you have a kingdom, you got to have somebody ruling and reigning in that kingdom. So we should be praying for his kingdom to come. We know it's coming in the millennial kingdom, but we also should be praying that we have rulership and authority in the earth right now to be able to have power and authority over the tricks of the enemy. All right? Is everybody with me? So pray for God's kingdom to come, first thing. Uh, pray for daily bread, that is, for the necessities of life. It's okay to ask God for what you need. Amen? All right, so pray for daily bread. Uh, you, know, you know, all of us need food, right? Is that, everybody need food? <laughs> all of us need the, the necessities of life, so pray for that. Pray for daily bread. Number, the, the third thing, pray for what? For forgiveness. Pray for forgiveness, he says. All right? Uh, But again, he says, there's a condition for forgiveness. We must forgive those who sin against us. We sin and sin also against God. If we expect him to forgive us, we have to forgive those who offend us. That's what Jesus said. And I'm I'm not going to go to those, but run those scripture references. You should have already looked them up. But he talks about the fact that that if we're going to get our sins forgiven, we got to also forgive others. So in our prayer life, I got to be praying for forgiveness, right? I got to make sure that, that I'm extending forgiveness and I'm praying that God will forgive me because all of us are messed up along the way. Anybody here lived it perfectly? Let me see your hand. Anybody, anybody uh, have, have lived sinless perfection? None of us have. So we all need to pray for forgiveness, right? And lastly, pray for deliverance. Everybody say deliverance. We, the idea of God leading men into temptation bothers some people, but God tempts no one to do evil. What this request means is pray for God to deliver us from temptation and from the evil one, Satan. Okay? That's what we're asking him for. Go to 1 Corinthians 10 chapter right quick. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 through 13. 1 Corinthians 10 12 through 13. text says this, wherefore, 
let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he what? Lest he fall. Next verse says what? There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be attempted above that which you are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Go to the New Living Translation on that very same verse. I want you to look at how it reads. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 from the NLT real quickly. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Let's read it. It says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is what? Faithful. Now, back up. Let's, 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 let's pick on that just for a second. There ain't nothing that you face that nobody else hadn't faced. Do y'all get that? He says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And I know sometimes we say, well, but Pastor, it's just hard. It's just, it's just, I, just, I can't seem to stop. Yes, you can. If others have stopped with the power of God working in their life, you can stop. The temptations in your life are no different than from what others experience. And God is what? He's faithful. Look at what it says here. Now, this is very key now. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. When you are tempted, now notice it says God is faithful. So what's, what, what is God going to do? What is this saying to us right now? What's God going to do whenever we're tempted? He's going to give you a way out so you don't have to fall to that temptation. If he's faithful, and the Bible says God is faithful, I know he's faithful. He, he will not allow us to be tempted more than we can stand. But when we are tempted, he's going to show us a way out so that we can endure it. So now the key is, are we looking for that way out? Are you looking for the way out? Because God is going to give you a way out. When temptation comes, he's going to give you a way out. So he's faithful. He's not going to allow us to be tipped above which you're able. So uh, we got to make sure that we follow that deliverance that he gives us. Okay? The devil is coming to try to trap us. He's trying to get us to a point to where we are falling into sin. All right? So those, those, those things, we should pray four things in particular. Pray for God's kingdom to come. Pray for daily bread. Pray for forgiveness and pray for deliverance. Amen? Now, look, look, types of prayer there. Blessing and adoration. That means just, just blessing the name of God, just adoring him. We ought, we ought to profusely praise God for who he is and what he's done for us. So blessing and adoration is a type of prayer where we, just, we, 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 we magnify the name of God. Then we have petition. What is Petition. That means we're asking God for certain things. All right. Uh, then we have intercession. What is intercession? That means we're going to God on behalf of someone else. What about thanksgiving? Y'all know what that is, right? That means just being, being thankful and thanking God for all that he's already done. And then a, a, a prayer of praise. What is that? That's just, again, coming back, back, back around. We praise him for all that he's done for us and what he's going to do for us. So when you look at that, those types of prayers, uh, those five types of prayers, and, and there, there's other variations on that, but those are the basic five types of prayers. And so when we're praying for people, uh, a lot of times when we're showing that we care for them, we're doing what we call prayers of intercession or prayers of petition. We're asking God to intercede on behalf of that person, we're asking God for certain things, all right? Now, look at the last sheet there. Things that hinder prayers from being answered. Because sometimes our prayers are not getting answered, and we need to understand why. Number one, spiritual warfare in the unseen realm. Remember the, remember the story in the book of Daniel, the 10th chapter. When Daniel prayed for the revelation about what was going to happen with his people, uh, the answer... Was, was on the way immediately when he prayed. Is that correct? Y'all remember that? 
in Daniel, the 10th chapter, read it when you get home. The text says that your words were heard and we come for your words. When you first prayed it, we heard it, but they were held, the angel was held up how, how long, y'all? 21 days, the angel was held up from getting the answer from heaven down into the earth realm where it can do some good because you can have riches in heaven, you can have answers in heaven, but if you don't have it in the earth, it's not going to do you any good. So that translation from the heavenly realm to the earthly realm, uh, amen, it's a process that we got to learn how to effect and make happen. So Daniel was praying and his words, because he was praying according to God's will, his words were heard and the angel came for his words. So the question that we have to uh, uh, satisfy ourselves with is that when we pray, is the angel coming for my words? He will, they will, if I'm praying according to God's will. And Daniel was, okay? Y'all got that? So spiritual warfare in the unseen realm can be a reason why your prayer is not getting answered. And, and, and if you're not standing in faith while that battle is going on, I think it affects that ability, amen, of that angel to get through. Because you, if, you, if you've given up after two days, because it didn't happen in two days, or if you've given up after, after three months or six months, then, and you stop, you turn loose your faith, then now you, you, you kill out, you cancel out the answer coming through. All right? So spiritual warfare in the unseen realm can be a reason why our prayers are not being answered. Some stuff is of demonic nature. And when it's of demonic nature, guys, you, you're not going to be able to make it happen with physical things. You got to be spirit minded. You got you to use your spiritual weaponry to deal with an unseen enemy. Okay, are y'all with me? All right, so next one. Uh, God isn't obligated to answer the prayers of the unsaved except the prayer of salvation. There are some things that God does and probably did for us even before we got born again because mama was praying for it, daddy was praying for it. But he's not obligated to answer the prayers of those who are unsaved. And maybe somebody is, is, is decided they were going to pray because they needed something but don't have a relationship with God. Relationship with God affects prayers being answered. I got to know who I'm praying to. Are you with me? God is not under obligation to answer the prayer of a sinner except that the prayer for, for, for salvation. Amen? Is everybody with me? Um, a, number three, a doubtful attitude hinders prayers. Now, again, when we're praying for people and showing that we really care, we got to make sure that we are not in this position to where we don't know how to engage in spiritual warfare. Second, we got to make sure we're born again. Third, we got to make sure we're not doubting our own mind. Remember, James says a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways. Fourth reason why a prayer may not be answered is because of selfish motives or desires. Go to James 4 with me right quick. James 4 and 3. Selfish motives and desires can hinder prayers from being answered. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever prayed selfishly for something? I mean, have you ever prayed for something that really, I mean, and when you look back on it, I know at the time you were praying, you, 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 you were sincere, right? Or so you thought. But if the truth be told, sometimes our prayers are selfish. We're only concerned about ourselves. And selfish and impure motives will stop prayers from being answered. Watch what the text says. In verse number three, it says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Read it out loud again. It says, and even when you ask, because remember, this is coming on the tail end of him saying that uh, you lust and you have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. And even when you do ask, you ask for the wrong reason. So we got to make sure our motivation for prayer is correct. And guys, sometimes we can fool ourselves and think, and think that we're pure in motives and we're really not. That's why we got to stay... We got, we got to stay on our knees and make sure our, the word of God is renewing our minds, okay? Everybody still with me? All right, look at number five. So we got selfish motives of desires in his prayer. 
Impatience will hinder your prayer life. Anybody been impatient? Gave up. The breakthrough was right around the corner. In Daniel's situation, what if, what if Daniel had given up on day 20? Huh? Have you ever turned loose your faith and, and let it go after a period of time because you thought, well, maybe, maybe this, you know, this, it ain't, ain't going to work for me. The psalmist in, in Psalms 41 says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. We got to learn to wait patient, patiently. So, but impatience will hinder your prayer life. Number six, neglecting. Here's a, here's a, here's a big one. Ne- neglecting to spend time in the Bible will hinder your prayers. Neglecting to spend time in the word of God will hinder your prayers from being answered, guys. It absolutely will. Look at Proverbs 28 with me. And um, verse number nine, Proverbs 28, verse number nine in the New Living Translation, if you will. Proverbs 28, verse number nine. All right. Watch this. Because, guys, when we're, when we're engaging people to show that we really care, we want to be effective in our prayer lives. And there are going to be times, guys, you're going to be praying for people. That person's faith may, may be way down here. But you got to have faith for that person. In other words, even if that person is not where they are, but if you go in standing in faith and believing God, confessing the word of God, God can still move. It says, God detests the prayers of a person who ignores the law. He detests the prayers of a person who ignores the law, who ignores his word. In other words, you're praying, but you're ignoring his word. I, you know, th- there have been a number of people who, uh, you know, who I, I talk to and I pray with and I, I counsel, but they won't do anything I say. You hear me? They, they won't do anything I say. So, so. When they, when they start praying for a better relationship or a better whatever or to be better in the finances or whatever, but you ain't doing what the word says. You can't expect your prayer to be answered if you ignore the word. The Bible says that God, det- when you detest something, what does that mean? I mean, you can't stand it. <laughs> it says God, det- God can't stand the prayers of the person who's praying but ignoring his word. Think about that for a second. We're praying, but we're not doing what we know to do in the scripture, okay? All right, next one. An unforgiving attitude will hinder your prayers. We already know that. Mark 11, 25 and 26, I quoted earlier. He says, while you stand praying, forgive. You can't be praying to God and harboring unforgiveness and trying to speak to the mountain. Hello? You speaking to the mountain saying, be thou removed, but then you got unforgiveness in your heart towards your fellow brothers. The mountain ain't going nowhere. Look at what it says. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. So that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. 26 says what? Glory to God. Watch this. Verse number Mark 11, 26 says, you blacked out on me there. <laughs> I, I'll read it to you right quick. Mark 11, 26. Get there. Hallelujah. It's up, okay. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespass. That's very simple, right? So, so that, that's part of it. All right, so number eight. Watch this from married folks. All married couples. Look at this. Highlight it, and when you go home, stop arguing. <laughs> Disharmony at home will hinder one's prayer life. First Peter three seven and eight. Look at that one right quick. First Peter three seven and eight. Disharmony or disagreement at home will hinder your prayer life. Glory to God. It's important, guys, that we recognize that unity in the home helps our prayers to move forward and be answered. It says this, likewise, your husbands, 
Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers, that your prayers be not what? Hindered. So in other words, it says, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Doing that husband so that your prayers won't be hindered. So when there's disharmony and dysfunction in the home, it affects the prayer life. Uh, um, and again, lastly, number nine, harboring unconfessed sin will keep prayer from being answered. You got some secret sin that you, that you indulge in and involved in. It's unconfessed. You haven't depended of it, but you still expect God to come through and answer all your prayers. It'll, 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 it, it'll keep your prayers from being answered when, you, when you're harboring unconfessed sin. That's thing that you got in there that you're not really trying to get rid of. Okay? So lastly, what can effective prayer accomplish? So those, those are nine things that will hinder our prayer life. So if you're not getting any prayers through, look, look at each one of these and say, well, am I in one of these boats right here? If so, let's get out of it. Uh, again, what can effective prayer accomplish? Eternal life is secured through prayer. Romans 10, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So when I pray to God as a sinner, God will hear my prayer. My prayer for salvation, okay? So eternal life is secured through prayer. Broken fellowship with God may be restored through prayer. 1 John 1 and 9, if, I, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So when I confess my sin, it brings me back into a place of fellowship with God. So that broken fellowship with God is restored through the avenue of prayer. Look at number three, very important. Infirmities may be healed in response to faithful prayer. That's in James, the fifth chapter, verse number 13. Go there right quick. Hurry, we're about out of time. James 5, 13. Y'all know this in James 5, 13 through 16. Hallelujah. That's one of the things that we do on a regular basis around here. James 5, uh, uh, verse number 13. It says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. Verse 14, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with all in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they will be what? Forgiven him. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Look at this part here. That's why I told you we want everybody praying. The effectual Fervent prayer of the righteous does what? Avails much. It has the ability to change things. That's why I want righteous men and women of God praying for me. When you pray, it affects what happens in the spirit realm and in the earth realm. So we need you praying. Infirmities may be healed in response to faithful prayer. Deliverance from trouble may be found through prayer. I'm not going to go through all this. Material needs can be supplied through prayer. Revival comes in answer to sincere prayer. Guys, this is critically important. So what, what are we saying? We're saying, guys, that when we are trying to indicate to people that we really care, being a prayer warrior and being one who will go to people and, and discover what the need is, and when we will faithfully and in the proper biblical manner pray for that person, that person begins to sense that we care about them. We care about their need. We care about, about their situation. So, but if we're not praying on our own, we're not going to be very effective in praying for somebody else. Don't you agree? So let's make sure that our prayer life is more fervent. Let's make sure that we go to God. Let's make sure we be like Jesus Christ, the son, who spent considerable time praying, okay? Because it does affect change. Prayer does change things. They used to sing that song, and I believe it. Prayer changes things. And it'll change you too. Sometimes prayer won't change the situation. God will leave you in a situation, but he'll change you in the situation. 
such that you are different and you're able to deal with that situation that may be less than ideal, but God has changed you. He didn't move that person from that job, but he allowed you to be able to deal with that person more effectively, right? You should couldn't stand him. When you first saw him, your blood pressure just went up. But now when you go in there, you're speaking to him. You're being biblical. You're, you're smiling. You're showing the love of God, and now your attitude is changing that person, okay? So let's, let's make sure we get this down. Any questions on what we went over tonight? Okay?